the Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup and won the Stanley Cup for the second time in four seasons. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Talk and Hockey. This is Jack Bushman, and unfortunately, my partner Tony Janaris fell asleep before we recorded this episode tonight. So I will be going solo on this episode, but don't worry, we'll uh, get another podcast out early next week with Tony on it. So sorry that I'm by myself, guys, but I wanted to get this episode out for all of you. So today is Thursday. November 14th, and we got a lot on our plate to talk about as the Blackhawks are in a much better position than they were during the last episode. Since recording last Wednesday, the Blackhawks have gone 3-0-1 with some impressive victories over the Canucks, the Maple Leafs, and Golden Knights, all of which are above-average teams, so good to see the Blackhawks able to put together some better efforts as of late. So we'll recap some of these games quickly. Looking back now uh, at last Thursday's tilt versus Vancouver, the Hawks won 5-2. to two. I know this was a week ago, so I won't go over it too much, but we saw Alex DeBrinckit score a ridiculous goal top shelf while falling to the ice. Just an incredible goal from the 21-year-old. He always finds a way to wow us, displaying that you know size isn't everything, and he's really making a name for himself in this league, so great to see DeBrinckit score that beauty of a goal. Hopefully he can uh, keep staying hot on that Blackhawks second line. Uh, back to the game, the Blackhawks would score two power play goals to seal the deal from Shaw and Strom, and it was the first time since last February that the Blackhawks scored two power play goals in the same game. So even though the Blackhawks, they've been better of late, the power play still needs to figure it out a little bit. They have just one power play tally in their last three games, but it was good to see them have a good outing versus Vancouver last week. Uh, they've been moving the puck better. They kind of have two distinguished power play groups now, so they have some confidence in their units going forward, and hopefully that will result in more power play goals because we saw how lethal that power play can be at times last season. Uh, I believe it was in that January. I think it was through December 17th. I don't know why I remember that date, but I do. Uh, I think it was like December 17th through the end of January. The Blackhawks had one of the best or, or maybe even the best power play in the NHL. So there's a lot of potential there, especially at that high triangle between DeBrinckit, Gustafson, and Kane. So as soon as they start building some chemistry there, the Blackhawks will become more lethal offensively. But it was good to see the power play uh, strike twice for the first time in a while uh, against Vancouver in uh, a winning effort. And then the Blackhawks then traveled to Pittsburgh to take on the Penguins. That was last Saturday, which was the only game the Hawks have lost in their last four games. But it was one that slipped away. The Blackhawks blew a 2-0 lead in that game. A uh, little recap here. There were no goals scored through the first 33 minutes of the game. But the Hawks struck first on a beautiful passing play as uh, Slater Cuckoo jumped into uh, the rush on transition and made a pass over to Brandon Saad, who made a nice play to uh, pick up the puck from his uh, skate to his stick and then made a nice cross-crease pass to Kubalik for a one-timer to make it one nothing Blackhawks. And then the Hawks would strike again just a minute and a half later on another odd man rush as uh, Patrick Kane ripped a shot glove side past Matt Murray to make it 2-0 on a 2-on-1. And what we've seen from the Blackhawks lately that they've been very effective at is their play and their counter-strike in transition. We're seeing a lot of goals scored that way, and I think that's the way Jeremy Colleton wants his team to play. 
he knows that uh, this team isn't, you know, very sound defensively, uh, but their strength is obviously their offense, and they have a lot of ability. They have a, a lot of capability to uh, score while they transition from defense to offense, and we saw that uh, a couple times in this Pittsburgh game, and we've seen it more recently from the Blackhawks being able to take the puck from the defensive zone, make a quick pass, and counter strike while their opponent uh, hasn't gotten back on defense yet. So, uh, good to see the Blackhawks continuing to get better in that department. They struck twice uh, that way in this game against the Penguins. Unfortunately, the Blackhawks blew this 2-0 lead and wound up losing in the shootout, but at least they managed to come away with a point, and it was a better effort overall on the road. Uh, at the time, though, it was kind of a tough loss. The Blackhawks now are 7-7-4, and but that, that was before their last two victories, so it was frustrating when the Blackhawks... Uh, when they play good enough to win, they hold a two nothing lead, and, and they don't wind up they don't wind up with two points. It was really frustrating at the time because uh, the Blackhawks were struggling. They were they were not playing so well, and you know every point mattered and still does matter at this point. But uh, it, it just felt like a game that the Blackhawks needed to come away with two points, and they failed to do so. But uh, it was a better effort on the road. The Blackhawks have struggled mightily on the road this season, so at least they took away a point against you know a, a solid Pittsburgh Penguins team. So uh, there was a little bit of uh, positives to take away from that shootout loss. That takes us to Sunday's 5-4 victory over the Maple Leafs. This was the back end of the back-to-back for the Blackhawks. That game was absolutely chaotic from start to finish. The Blackhawks jumped out to a 3-0 lead with goals from Kane, Doc, and then Kane found the back of the net again as uh, 2019 number 3 pick Kirby Doc and Kane scored just 10 seconds apart to go up 3-0 in the first period. So great way to uh, come out of uh, the locker room for the Blackhawks and jump on a Maple Leafs team that had been struggling in, in uh, recent games. Uh the Maple Leafs did uh, bounce back a little bit. The wrong Nylander, which is William, of course. Uh, he snuck one past Leonard to make it 3-1. But the Blackhawks answered right back with a power play goal from the captain on a beautiful passing play from Kanan Debrinkit for Taze's third goal of the season. And what we've seen from the Blackhawks lately is a sense of urgency. When one team scores a goal, the Hawks are right there ready to answer, which is awesome to see because at times uh, early in the season, you know, once one goal... Uh, once the Blackhawks allowed one goal, it kind of felt like the floodgates were open. The tumbleweed was rolling down the road. It was just continuing to go poorly. But recently, we've seen the Blackhawks uh, be resilient and uh, show show a sense of urgency, which is you know something that I feel like they've struggled with for the last season, even more potentially. Uh, it, it's been a struggle for the Blackhawks. When one thing goes bad, it feels like it spirals out of control. But as of late, the Blackhawks have been able to control that. So great to see from the Blackhawks there. Uh, they had a commanding 4-1 lead. The Leafs would cut it close by making it 5-4. to But Robin Leonard, as usual, absolutely stood on his head to seal the victory as he made 53 saves. Absolutely ridiculous as the Blackhawks were on their heels all third period. Allowing 26 shots in 20 minutes is not good. Uh, it, the only reason the Blackhawks came away with two points was because of their strong goaltending, and, and that's been the case on many occasions already this season. Uh, the 
good goaltending and strong offense. But the defense, they need to be better with the lead in front of their netminder. You just can't allow 26 shots in one period. More than a shot a minute is absolutely atrocious, putting way too much pressure on your goaltender. And the Blackhawks are really lucky that they have Robin Leonard in that because I don't think they win that one with anyone else in goal for them. So, uh, you know, we'll take two points where we can get them there, but definitely um, some things that the Blackhawks could work on with the lead. So now we are caught up to uh, last night's impressive 5-3 to three victory over the Vegas Golden Knights, who were previously 7-0-0 against the Blackhawks in their short franchise history. We saw the Golden Knights jump out to a 2-0 lead early, but as we were just talking about, the Blackhawks showed some resiliency to take control of the game. So after Vegas took that 2-0 lead, Patrick Kane answered back just 16 seconds later off a terrific feed from Dylan Strom, and the second line is absolutely rolling right now. They're creating uh, a bunch of scoring opportunities. It seems like every time Patrick Kane's touching the puck right now on that seven-game point streak, he is lethal. So great to see... uh, Dylan Strome and Patrick Kane continuing to absolutely dominate on the second line. Uh, So the first period, it was absolutely hectic, but the second period was somehow even crazier. Earlier in the second, the Knights thought they took a 3-1 lead thanks to Alex Tuck, but the goal was reviewed and taken off the board. As uh, we saw in the replay, Tuck rang it off uh, two posts, which is, you know, you hate to see it. Uh, It reminds me of Brent Seaver against the Blues in Game 7, which still gives me nightmares. Uh, But that goal taken off the board seemed to light a fire under the Blackhawks. And then uh, shortly after, a pair of defensemen for the Hawks would each find the back of the net for the first time this season, just 45 seconds apart, as Calvin DeHaan and Eric Gustafson both beat Flurry top shelf glove high. We saw Zach Smith make a terrific feed to set up DeHaan, and then Strom made a beautiful pass to set up Gustafson, who was cutting to the slot. So speaking of Gustafson, kind of want to talk about him quickly. What a big goal that was for him, as it took him almost 18 full games to find the back of the net, which is his bread and butter. Offense is his game. He scored 17 goals last season and recorded 60 points. So far, just five points on the season and only two power play assists. So hopefully... This gets, Gus, yeah, this gets Gus going. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Uh, because if Gustafson's not producing offens- offensively, there's not much use for him here. So it, it's good to see Gustafson uh, score that goal. It really kind of changed his night because he struggled mightily in the first period uh, on the Vegas first goal of the game that was redirected in by William Carrier. Uh, the puck was dumped in by the Golden Knights and... Gustafson was kind of just stagnant in the defensive zone. He didn't really know where Crawford was going to go with the puck, and he kind of just, he he wasn't really striding. He was just skating right in front of his net, waiting to see what Crawford was going to do. And then once Vegas was able to uh, create a turnover, Gustafson went to the front of the net and kind of engaged in a stick battle, but really didn't do all that much to either block the shot or uh, tie up the guy, tie up his man in front of the net. So uh, Gustafson struggled in the first period, but after he scored that goal. Uh, He definitely looked better in the final 40 minutes. So hopefully this will be a a turning point for Eric Gustafson because we need more out of him offensively. So the Blackhawks were able to add to their uh, 3-2 lead as Kirby Doc found the back of the net for the second consecutive game for his first career game-winning goal and first multi-point game. Awesome to see Kirby finding his stride. He looked really sharp. He actually had the Blackhawks 
uh, best Corsi rating in this game. Of course, Corsi doesn't always tell the full story, but still good to see Kirby having positive possession numbers, even though he's playing uh, on the fourth line with Ryan Carpenter and Zach Smith, not people that you think are going to be generating too much offensively. But that fourth line was actually really good in this game. So uh, on Doc's goal, we saw... Uh, Zach Smith make uh, another uh, beautiful pass there to set up the play. Uh, Smith carried the puck up ice into the Vegas zone and then uh, made a smart choice to pull up at the blue line while uh, two Blackhawks, Carpenter and Doc, cut to the front of the net with only one Vegas defender there. And the puck uh, redirected off the skate of Carpenter, I believe, and found Kirby Doc, who pretty much had a wide-open cage to... uh, find the back of the net. So awesome to see Kirby really um, looking sharp, even though he hasn't been in the most prominent role. He's still making the most of it, which is certainly impressive. He just continues to look more and more comfortable as uh, he plays more and more games. Although he continued the trend of getting absolutely clobbered once a game, as uh, I'm pretty sure it was Braden McNabb who absolutely lit him up, hit him right in the chops. Uh, but luckily, Kirby was okay. He's got to be a little bit more aware when he's on the ice and understand that this ain't juniors anymore, kid, because he is a prized possession for the Blackhawks. And the last thing Stan Bowman or anyone in the Blackhawks organization want is for Kirby Doc to go down, especially because he dealt with that concussion problem uh, during you know training camp and in the preseason and whatnot. So he's got to be careful out there. It just seems like at times he's still trying to dance through defenders when you know, that's probably not going to happen too much. It might happen once or twice on the season where he scores a pretty goal. Uh, but he's got to be a little bit smarter out there and, and take care of himself because the, the Blackhawks need him for a long, long time. But good to see Kirby playing well. Um, earlier, we talked about the Blackhawks defense needing to be better in front of their goaltender with the lead. And they did just that last night versus Vegas. The Hawks allowed just four shots on goal through the first 10 minutes of the third period, which uh, allowed the Blackhawks to extend their lead, as we uh, just talked about Kirby Doc, uh, made it 4-2. to two. And then Dylan Strom picked up his third point of the night on a breakaway, thanks to a great backhand pass from Alex DeBrinkett. And Strom roofed a shot over Fleury's glove to make it 5-2. to two. Patrick Kane picked up the secondary assist on the goal, so he had a three-point night as well. Quickly hear about Kane. Chef Showtime, as my partner Tony Janaris loves to call him, is currently riding a seven-game point streak with six goals and eight assists during those seven games. Kane also has three points in three of his last four games. So as we said earlier, the second line is absolutely feeling it right now. Kind of wish Colleton went to that Debrinkit, Strom, Kane trio earlier but at the same time, no one uh, offensively was really creating that much through the first couple weeks of the season. So, you know, that's that's easy to say in hindsight that they should have been together from the get-go. Uh, I know that that trio doesn't look great defensively, but this isn't a great defensive team. And I have a feeling we're going to win most of our games uh, by outscoring the other team. I know that sounds stupid. Of course, you have to win. You The only way you win is by outscoring the other team. But... That's how the Hawks have to do it. They have to outscore the other team rather than out-defending them. They can't just, you know, like the Vegas game last night, they can't really just sit back and, you know, put five at the blue line, let you dump it in and not have an offensive game going. That's that's when the Blackhawks start to get problem problematic and allow, you know, three, four goals in one period. They have to stay aggressive and they have to stay on the attack. And I think we saw that last night and it, it was a really good effort by the Blackhawks with the lead. Awesome to see. 
Uh, so I, I just think that's the style the Blackhawks have to play. I, I know the Brinkett Strom Kane, they're not going to be the the best against you know a, a top uh, an opponent's top line. But at the same time, you're wanting them to outchance that top line, not outdefend the top line. So um, I think the Blackhawks are playing the right brand of hockey, and uh, I think that led to uh, the victory last night. So uh, Nate Schmidt did score a goal with just one minute left to make it 5-3, to three, but the Hawks held on to pick up their first victory over the Vegas Golden Knights. So with the win, the Blackhawks are now 7-7-4 seven, seven and four on the season and 4-1-1 one and one in their last six games finally trending in the right direction. But before uh, I move on, I definitely want to bring up Corey Crawford, who after allowing two early goals last night, he stood on his head to keep his team in the lead. Uh, Crawford was especially good in the second period when the Hawks were first able to grab the lead. So shout out to both Crawford and Leonard for their remarkable play in net this season to get the Hawks to where they are. Certainly looks like the Blackhawks have the best goaltending tandem in the NHL. Both goaltenders have been fantastic and it makes it hard to choose uh, who's going to start every night. It's not really a wrong decision, but uh, kind of a good problem to have there. So a lot of good stuff for the Blackhawks in the last four games. Hopefully we get to see more of it in the coming contests. We will discuss some upcoming games shortly, but first I want to bring up the decision the Blackhawks made today, which was to send Adam Boquist back to the AHL as Connor Murphy is expected to return to the lineup Saturday in Nashville. We talked about that situation on the last episode and basically said the Hawks have three options here. Send Boquist down, which certainly was the safest move. Wave Slater Cuckoo for the purpose of assignment, but Cuckoo hasn't been bad this season, and the potential loss of another depth defenseman through waivers certainly isn't ideal. And the third option was to trade Gustafson, which was the most unlikely of the three options, but not beyond the realms of possibility. Gustafson did just score his first goal of the season last night, so even if the Hawks wanted to move him soon, which I'm not too sure they want to do, I'm not really sure you know what's going on in the front office, Uh, But Gustafson might have just earned himself some more time by uh, finding the back of the net last night. So the Blackhawks went with the simplest choice, which is understandable. We talked last time about the potential problems with keeping Boquist up for the long haul, meaning that both he and Doc's contracts expire the same year. So the, the positive takeaway from this is that Boquist was more capable defensively than everyone expected. He was really impressive in his six NHL games. Um really only had, what I think about it, two bad plays. He had a a bad interference penalty last night against Vegas, and then uh, he had a a bad read off when when the Blackhawks were playing the Sharks. Uh, The Blackhawks were on the power play, and the Sharks rang it around the boards to clear the zone, and Bookless kind of took a a bad angle at the puck, and it led to an Evander Kane uh, breakaway goal. But besides that, Really no complaints on the defensive end from Adam Boquist. And honestly, in my mind, he looks better defensively than Eric Gustafson already does. So um, certainly playing in Rockford for 18 to 20 minutes per game will help his development. You know, it's not going to hurt the kid. He's still 19 years old. Uh, His offense is undeniably impressive already. So he really just has to uh, solidify his defensive game a little bit more. And, you know, honestly, the sky's the limit for this kid. Uh, we saw him absolutely roof a shot for his first NHL goal, which got me really pumped up. So we saw a lot of good things from Adam Boquist. And who knows, if Gustafson does get dealt at some point this year, 
we could see Adam Boquist back up in the NHL. So wish all the best to Boquist back in Rockford. It's going to be good for him. I know it's not the fan favorite move, uh, but it, it was probably the right choice for the Blackhawks because having Slater Cuckoo as a seventh defenseman, it it's a luxury for the Blackhawks because he's a fine sixth defenseman, someone that, you know, you're not going to expect a ton out of, but he can go in there and play a strong defensive game, uh, make the right plays. He, he has some of the highest coursey numbers on the Blackhawks this season, so he, he hasn't been great, but he hasn't been bad by any means. And a seventh defenseman spot for Cuckoo is a perfect fit and risking uh, losing him to waivers, uh, losing two defensemen uh, on waivers in uh, you know, just about two months wouldn't be ideal for the Blackhawks. So I think it was the right move to send Boquist back to Rockford. So now to talk about the Blackhawks' upcoming games quickly. Uh, the Blackhawks are in Nashville on Saturday for the second meeting between the Hawks and the Predators. And last time these two teams met, e, it was about as ugly as can be as the Hawks were shut out 3 to nothing. Uh, but were they were absolutely dominated for 60 minutes. 3 nothing doesn't tell the full story. It easily could have been 8 nothing had it not been for Robin Leonard. Uh, he was forced to make 48 saves in a 3 nothing loss as the Blackhawks registered just 20 shots on goal themselves. It was really, really ugly, folks. After the game, though, Predators goaltender Pekka Rene told reporters that he's not sure he's ever been part of a game like that in his career, kind of throwing some shade at the Blackhawks. So that should get the Hawks pumped up heading into Saturday. You know, they're, they've are they been playing well their last six games, so that should just be a little bit more motivation for uh, the Hawks to come away with two points in Nashville where they will be looking for their fifth win in their last seven contests. And then the Hawks will be back in action on Sunday, another tough back-to-back -to -back for the Hawks. Uh, but they'll be back at the UC at least to take on the Buffalo Sabres. Of course, Patrick Kane is a Buffalo, New York native, and he seems to always bring his A game while playing against his hometown team. The Sabres are off to a decent start this season, so the Hawks will need to keep playing their same brand of hockey uh, as of late to pick up a pair of victories this upcoming weekend against you know two good hockey teams. One key storyline to watch on Sunday, it's the first time the Hawks and Sabres play since making the one-for-one -one swap of Henry Yokiharu for Alex Nylander. Nylander got off to a strong start this season, but he has just three points in his last 12 games, and he's gone 14 games without scoring a goal. So uh, Nylander, he could be a healthy scratch on Saturday, potentially. Maybe, you know, it kind of depends on if Drake Kajula uh, clears concussion protocol. But I do expect Nylander to be in the lineup Sunday to uh, attempt to make a statement to prove uh, the Buffalo Sabres and their fans wrong about the type of player he is. And it will be good to see Henry Okiharu and see how uh, he's been developing there in Buffalo, how the change of scenery kind of... Uh, what it did to his game. So it should be a lot of fun, should be interesting for sure. Excited for the two games this weekend. So now we move into the Q&A session with the fans. Uh, got a couple of real good questions on deck here. The first question is from at Oda Charlotte. Oda Charlotte asked, what do you think is the reason for Jonathan Taze's slow start? And honestly, uh, that's that's a tough question. I, I'm not really sure. He only has three goals on the year, which is as many as Kirby Doc has. Uh, the captain, it, it just looks like 
sometimes he's just not doing all that much offensively. Like they've solidified that top line. Brandon Saad has been, you know, arguably the one of the better or arguably the best forward for the Blackhawks this year. And Taze has been paired with him for uh, the last handful of games, but Johnny's really just struggled to get anything going. And uh, it's gotten to the point where, you know, he's not uh, on that top power play unit all the time. It's tough for Taze right now. And I, I wish I knew the answer to this because, you know, and I wish Taze, Taze probably wishes uh, he knew the answer to this too. Um but it's a long season here. Johnny, you know, he's just got to get a bounce and kind of get the ball rolling in the right direction. Um, he's still doing all the little things well, winning faceoffs, uh, you know, back-checking hard, being a good leader. So hopefully the offense will uh, come soon enough because I would hate to see Taze struggle uh, like he did in the two to three seasons prior to last year where uh, his offense wasn't all that good, and people were starting to question, uh, you know, what kind of player he was, especially for his $10.5 million cap hit. So hopefully Johnny can find the back of the net at least once this weekend, um, it, you know, because the Blackhawks really have had all four lines firing. Like, the second line has really been dominant now. The fourth line's been very good as of late. Uh, Dominic Kubalik's been good. So... It's really hopefully just a matter of time until Taves uh, gets hot because we know what he can produce offensively. We saw it last year, uh, 80 points in 81 games. Very solid season for Taves, and hopefully he can get back to that soon because we need it from him. So moving on to the next question here, Michael D. Wagner asked, what are your thoughts on Kirby Doc's development considering his solid production with limited minutes? Uh, kind of talked about this earlier. I, I think that's been the most impressive part is that Kirby, you know, he's playing on the fourth line with, you know, Zach Smith, Ryan Carpenter, Drake Kajula, uh, not guys that are known for their offensive upside, but here we are. That, that line's been producing well, and, and I think Kirby has he just has so much skill to his game and, and he's a smart kid big body you know he can kind of bring a little bit of everything to that fourth line and he goes to the front of the net that's really where all his goals have been scored um and you know that's where the, the dirty goals are going to score are going to be scored you know he can't really just walk into the league and, and dominate you know like Connor McDavid did you know those guys don't grow on trees so he understands the concept of putting his head down uh, and going hard to the net, and it, he's been really impressive, man, considering he's only playing, you know, 9 to 12 minutes a game uh, in a third to fourth line role. That, that's really been awesome to see. Hopefully Kirby continues to get uh, power play minutes uh, on the second unit because uh, he displayed uh, a couple times that he has great uh, awareness on the power play, and he moves the puck well. Let's not forget here, uh, going into the draft, Kirby's biggest asset is his passing ability. He's never been much of a pure goal scorer. He's always been a guy that's had more assists than goals scored. Uh, and he's been, you know, compared to guys like Ryan Getzlav and Mark Shifley, who uh, are pass, kind of pass-first guys. So, you know, he, he just has a lot of skill in various aspects of the game. And even though he's not playing with uh, snipers or playmakers, he's able to make it happen. So, very impressed with what I've seen from Kirby Doc through this point, and hopefully the kid just keeps it up because, you know, sky's the limit for him, and he's going to be here all season. So I'm interested to see uh, as he grows more and more comfortable in the Blackhawks system how the Blackhawks are going to use him more and more because 
Uh, I, I know Jeremy Colleton said he likes this role for Doc. He likes him playing 12, you know, 12-ish minutes per game. But I think, you know, if he keeps producing um, in a bottom six role, I think the Blackhawks are only going to expand his role as, you know, he plays more and more games. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. Awesome question there, Michael D. Wagner. I appreciate it. Uh, so for the next question at Kyle four one five 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 three one four asked, what does the crowded blue line look like in the near future now that we've seen what Boquist can do? What upcoming changes do you predict in that regard? Um, so kind of a tough question. I, I certainly think um, at, at some point this season Eric Gustafson's going to go. I really think that because I, there's just – no way the Blackhawks bring him back. And there really isn't room for him. With all the offensive defensemen coming up, uh, Bodan, Bolquist, Mitchell, we have offensive guys in our system. And what we need more of is shut down guys like Calvin DeHaan. Calvin DeHaan's been terrific for the Blackhawks this season. So we don't really need more offense. And I think Gustafson is definitely going to go. And even then we still kind of have a log jam uh, at defenseman, I think Slater Cuckoo is probably gone after the season. I don't see us re-signing him. Uh, it was kind of a questionable decision to even bring him back in this offseason. Um, but still, you know, the Blackhawks are going to have to make a tough decision with the expansion draft looming for Seattle. So I, I still think um, the Blackhawks are going to lose another defenseman besides Eric Gustafson because they have to protect Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith, and, and they'll either go uh the seven three one route, seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. I'm pretty sure that's one option. Then the other is just ten skaters total, I believe. Um so you know you gotta protect Seabrook and Keith. You can't let Calvin Tahan go. He's absolutely money. And and then you kinda gotta make the choice between Olimata and uh Connor Murphy. And to be honest, I'd keep Connor Murphy. So I, I could definitely see uh the Blackhawks making um, a couple trades this season uh, or, or, you know, losing a defenseman in the expansion draft because they have a lot of defensemen in the system that are going to be coming up and we can't protect all the guys. So um, I definitely see, you know, it, it, especially if the Blackhawks struggle near the trade deadline, they're going to be moving pieces. Uh, Eric Gustafson, I, I think, will be gone by the trade deadline. Uh, I think that's a smart move for the Blackhawks because, you might as well get something from him. Even if it comes to the trade deadline and everyone knows that the Blackhawks aren't going to sign this guy or, or likely aren't going to sign this guy in the offseason, take a fourth-round pick. At least get something for him because if he walks and the Blackhawks get nothing from you know him just signing with another team, that's a failure for Stan Bowman. That is just not a good decision from Stan Bowman because you might as well get at least something. Get a draft pick that you take a chance on because the Blackhawks draft well in those later rounds. We, we've seen it from various guys, so... Get something for Eric Gustafson at least. Um, so I definitely think that the Blackhawks, you know, are going to be moving pieces in that crowded blue line. Good question there, Kyle. Um, so we move on to the next question here. At iJensen4 asked, what are your thoughts so far on Shaw's return? Too many penalties or is he filling his role better this time around? Uh, this, is, this is a good question. I really like this one. I think... Andrew Shaw, he's kind of writing that line right in the middle right now because he's still taking a bunch of penalties. We know that is Andrew Shaw. He, he's going to do that. 
But when we get into crucial games down the stretch, he's got to be smarter. And we saw it cost the Blackhawks a couple times in Shaw's first stint in Chicago. Um, just taking boneheaded penalties, especially late in the game when, you know, your team needs a goal. You can't be killing off penalties. But at the same time, I like what Shaw provides to this team. You know, he's someone that can be slotted on the fourth line, uh, on the second line. He could be on the penalty kill. He scored an impressive power play goal against Vancouver, the uh, you know, last Thursday or whenever it was. Um, so he just, he's very versatile, and that's what I like. And he's physical. He puts his head down and skates hard, goes to the front of the net, and the Blackhawks need guys like that. So at the same time, you kind of you're you're gonna get what you get from Andrew Shaw. He's gonna take boneheaded penalties. We understand that, but it, it's kind of about knowing the situation with Andrew Shaw. He has to understand when those penalties are okay to take. Although you you know you'd like him not to take those penalties, but that that's just who he is. You'd like him not to take those penalties, but you have to understand he's going to do that. So he kind of has to pick his spots in that aspect. Um, but overall, I like Shaw in our lineup. I, I just think he can provide so many different things to this team. And he's a guy, you know, that's won a couple Stanley Cups. I'm sure he's fantastic in the locker room. Jokester, everyone seems to love him. We love to hate him, I should probably say, because, you know, he's a little mutt. Um, but I'm happy we have Andrew Shaw. Uh, I don't know if I would say he's filling his role better this time around because the Blackhawks were a, a better team the last time Shaw was around. And, you know, um, they had a lot of good pieces, and Shaw was that one, you know, aggressive agitator piece, almost like a Dave Boland, where, you know, uh, he makes good teams great. So I don't know if I would say he's filling his role better this time around, but I certainly don't think Shaw has been bad through uh, 18 games this season. So moving on to our final question here, 43 Sassafras asked, if Gus is playing above average, should the Hawks deal him at the deadline? Value would be up, Boquist could step in, don't want to be stuck with his contract, especially with Mitchell and Bodan making the jump soon. So yeah, I kind of just talked about this already, um, but th the difference in this question is if Gus is you know kind of back to his old self. Um, I still think at the end of the day, the Blackhawks aren't going to be able to afford him this offseason. So if he's playing better near the deadline, I think you definitely do move him. But I will say if the Blackhawks are in a good spot and competing for a playoff spot, it may be worth it to keep Gustafson around for the rest of the season. And, you know, just because in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you just never know. You just got to get in and you got to get hot at the right time. We saw it last year with the Blues and we see it a lot of years. It's just who's the hottest team heading in, and who has good goaltending. And I'll tell you what, the Hawks certainly have good goaltending. So, you know, if this team is playing the right brand of hockey toward the trade deadline and Eric Gustafson is a big contributor on that top power play unit, I would be a little hesitant to move him. But, of course, you know, the situation could be different. If the Blackhawks are middle of the pack, I think you definitely have to move Gustafson if he's playing well because that's the best return you're going to get from him. And as I said earlier, uh, it would be a failure if Stan Bowman got nothing from losing Gustafson if the Blackhawks didn't do anything this season. So um, definitely think Gustafson should be moved, but it will be interesting certainly to see uh, what Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks front office decide to do with that situation. So that is going to wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. As always, thank you to all the listeners out there. I appreciate it more than you uh, all know. I really do. 
Um, make sure to check out the Talkin' Hockey Twitter page, which can be found at Talk Ho- Talkin' Hockey. Sorry, at Talkin' Hockey. It was at Talk Hockey, but I changed it to at Talkin' Hockey for all Blackhawks news and live tweeting of every Blackhawks game. Uh, as always, guys, really appreciate it. Thank you very much for the people that are asking questions. I, I, I love talking about it. I love interacting with the fans and uh, hearing what you guys you know, have to say or want to hear uh, us talk about on this podcast. Really appreciate it. All right, so from Jack Bushman, and hopefully Tony Janaris will be with me next time, and hopefully he's getting some good Z's in bed tonight. He better because I'm going to be mad at him that he slept through this podcast. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Talkin' Hockey. Go Hawks. And as always, make our defense great again. Hawks win! Hawks win! Jonathan Taze got the puck!